Obviously. On the prompt. Come on, Stephen and Mike, say it, say it, and we never said it. So that's right. that's what I think we meant. Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. It is July 9th, 2014. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Mike. Hello, Federico, and Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, boys. So I listened back to uh, some of last week's episode, and um, the intro was so beautifully awkward. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> it was so bad, because obviously I disrupted the equilibrium of the show, yeah. uh, and the two of you were really unhappy about it. I love it that... Even after a year, basically, we can still be awkward on Skype. Yeah. Like, we talk for like 20 minutes beforehand. I say hello to you both at the same time, and you might as well just hang up on me. Yeah, just train wreck. <laughs> like, um, hi. Uh, oh, is this a show? No, we have a, we have, like, like most things in life, there's a rhythm, and you disrupted it. I, I, have, I have people in the other room uh, right now watching the World Cup. So if you hear shouting or, I don't know, glasses crashing on, on, on the ground, that there's a reason. It's not like, like a crazy neighbor this time. It's my friends. Well, all, uh, all three of our countries are out. Yeah. <laughs> Great news, so, right? So I guess the prompt's over. <laughs> Who's, who, I mean, how much World Cup is there left? Like, I don't even... Uh, uh, after close. tonight, uh, two matches. Gotcha. Yeah. I have a calendar in the... Um, so you guys know the Sunrise app for iOS? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it lets you, it lets you uh, add um, calendars for like holidays and events, you know? Mm-hmm. And they made this uh, World Cup calendar. And, and it's super useful because I, I generally... Like I'm not a big sports fan. I don't read uh, sports websites or follow, you know, sports accounts on Twitter or Facebook. So I just uh, added this account, this calendar to the app because I, uh, you know, I wanted to try it because I know a lot of people who use Sunrise, and and it's really nice because it it tells you like the times in my time zone, and it gives you the names of, of the of the countries playing, and it even it even gives you the location for the stadium. I don't know what I'm gonna do because it's like a t- three day trip from Italy just, to Brazil. Just but, take know, it. <laughs> I, I may just use you know Apple Maps to get from Italy to Brazil, see what happens. Probably gonna die in the middle of the ocean, but you know, at least yeah. I used an app. There's <laughs> an app for that. Sunrise has a Mac app out that I, I yeah. played with the other day, and I, they don't support iCloud calendars, do they? They do support iCloud. Do iCloud. they? Yeah. I thought, I swore, like, because I, I was like, oh, this app is beautiful. I use BusyCal, which is nice, but, like, super ugly. No, um, you're probably thinking of the the controversy that there was a few months ago about Sunrise and Apple ID credentials. Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm trying. I'm in it, the Mac app right now, and I, I'm in accounts, and I cannot add an iCloud account. That's weird. Which I is haven't tried sad. the app, so yeah, because on iOS you can just you know add your iCloud account. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, mean, I don't, I don't know. I use Fantastical everywhere, and the Fantastical Mac app really. Um, could do with some love. Yeah, yeah, it could. Well, calendar apps. I know, right? See you next week. <laughs> yeah. So how well, was uh guys so that was my weekly pick and um Mike. And we're done. <laughs> yeah. I picked Fantastic Cow and uh Stephen picked Busy Cow. iCloud Cal. calendars. Yeah, oh, Busy Cow. <laughs> iCloud calendars. What a <laughs> I great think pick. I picked Busy Cow at some point. I've, do you, I've written about it. 
Do you guys use iCloud calendars? Yes. Yeah. So what do you we, use? Yeah. Google. I, I use uh, <laughs> I use a combination. Why do you laugh like that? I use a combination. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Typically, my calendars are are, are uh, iCloud calendars, though. But like sometimes people invite you to things and they just send it to your email address, which is not the email. You know what I mean? So they're like, Oh no, I just decline invitations. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want other people also alerts in my calendar. Okay. Well, sometimes I do have to have meetings and calls with people, so I ha- kind of have to accept those. Um, and so they'll send them to like, uh, you know, we'll be emailing from like my 5 by 5 email or my MikeHurley.net email, which are both Google um, email addresses. Um, and they'll just send me an invite to that address. So then, so I have to have all of all of my email accounts. I have to also have the, the calendars enabled Michael. to receive them. Yeah, I use iCloud, like we've talked about this. iCloud handles all my personal stuff, works stuff with Google apps, and that works pretty well for me. I have but, um, never had a problem with iCloud calendar syncing. No, ever. it's been rock ever, solid. Ever, yeah, like, always. Even like mobile me days, like it was yep. always fine for me. I've been using it since mobile me days too. Probably been, because been... I guess the engineer working on on the calendar is like like a, some sort of uh, Stephen for calendars. Like a, like <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a, it's a guy in his um, I guess mid thirties. Um, uh, Right, I'm 28. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're telling this story okay, every well, week. Okay, late, late 20s acts like mid 30s. Yeah, like you. Yeah, it's probably like like a like like your cousin Stephen working on the iCloud calendar. He was once a lead genius for the Tennessee for Tennessee. For uh, some reason, I always imagine like the the Apple uh, stuff that works. I always imagine that there's some sort of Stephen working on that stuff. Some sort of Stephen. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know just the type of apple guy like we have you know, our sort of steven on this show which probably well, no we have the actual steven oh on okay the show. right and then, then there's well, like yeah not if y'all keep this up <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> so we should do follow-up follow-up dr drang uh as his Papa. ritual has Followed up by a blog post that everybody should read um, about Sherlocking and unSherlocking, which uh, is really an uh, interesting thing. And uh, I'm getting an internal server error. No, on, there it is. On, refresh. Okay. <laughs> WordPress is hard. <laughs> Dr. Drang just heard listening to our show that his website was down. Um, <laughs> like two days later. <laughs> yeah. <so he> died. <laughs> no. Uh, breaking news. He yeah. talks about in 2005. When Apple added podcast uh, support to iTunes, I don't know. Have you guys heard of podcast? Not familiar. I think they're dying. It's, it's like the iTunes Store section. Yes. Yeah. So Apple added podcast playing in the podcast directory, um, which is still, of course, in use today, and we, of course, love it. Um, and basically, it's uh, you know Apple moved in, took over the podcast scene. Right. There were some third-party apps. Apple basically killed them. Uh, when things went mobile, iTunes or Apple took a long time to make a mobile podcast app. So things like Instacast and Pocket Cast and Overcast in a couple of weeks, like all these third parties had a really good opportunity. Now Apple's back with the podcast first party client app, which is, at least in my experience, pretty miserable. And so he was talking about like sometimes Sherlocking isn't an event, but like an ebb and flow of relationship between Apple and third parties. I thought it was a really interesting way of looking at it. It wasn't sense. there wasn't there a problem in like like a few months after the App Store opened about a podcasting app 
yeah. that was rejected by that Apple. Podcast apps were rejected for a long time um, under the reason of uh, you cannot duplicate features of the OS. Yeah, Podcaster, I found a yep. link on Daring Fireball. Yep, I, I had the app and, and that was why it was rejected. And then for a long time, there were no podcast applications for that reason. Yeah, and now, of course, it's like a golden era of really excellent apps. Like I looked at, at podcast apps I don't know, several months ago for the suite setup and Marco's app is, you know, getting close and like there's a lot of really good options and, you know, Drain kind of closes out his post and I wrote a little follow-up to him and, and my point is like, you know, just because Apple like moves into your space doesn't mean you're dead. Not only because as we spoke about Apple usually takes the simpler road, but like they may not even do that well. Like Apple has a bunch, like if you look at the Apple apps and the iOS app store or even the Mac app store, Apple builds a lot of applications and a lot of them aren't super awesome. And so just because Apple moves into the neighborhood doesn't mean that, that you have to move out. So in, in uh, Drang's post, he mentions that there were two things wrong with the episode, one being a photo of me and a deer stalker, as in like the Sherlock thing. So a friend of the show, uh, Dan Sturm on Twitter, then created MikeHats.tumblr.com, <laughs> which includes a picture of me and a deer stalker, along with the other hat-related photos that have appeared of me on the internet over time. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's one letter away from my homepage, MikeChats.tumblr.com. That's the idea. And Federico, you're actually on that page. You know, down to the very bottom. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, Super, Super I'm Mike and Luigi Vitici. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm Luigi. Okay. Of course you're Luigi. I mean, yeah. they're both Italian, but whatever. The well, one... at least I got I got a full year for myself, right, Mike? Yeah. The year year of Luigi. <laughs> it was longer than a year, buddy. Yeah, no. Steven, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Video game references. Oh, and I get the video. I listen to your show. Oh yeah, uh, the you Deerstalker do? hat. I do. Um. Thanks. The deerstalker hat at the top is exceptional. Mm-hmm. It's it's really well done. I'm gonna pic- because I because this is the the week of of Dan Sturm, as in the you know you had the the year of Luigi. He has a show with Joe Steele that I really like at the moment called Defocused, which you should listen to. If you if you're gonna miss Bionic because Bionic's dead, um, stop it. You should listen to Defocused. Well, Bionic died way before last week. Hey, well, when you killed it, so I did. Can blame I you. Yeah, yeah. No, the Bionic finale was really good. Thank you. I, I, I will miss it. So um, I'm trying. I'm trying to to scroll through Mike chats without laughing, but it's impossible. You can't spend too much time on that website. <laughs> it's incredible. It's, <laughs> it's a labor of love, my friends. <laughs> wow. Mike, where could people find links to all these cool websites? Uh, go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash the number of this episode, which is 56. Nice save. <laughs> no worries. That's what I, I do. put it in the top of the document every week. But I wasn't looking at a document. The best part about Mike Chats is that, <laughs> you know, it would be cyberbullying if I only made fun of <laughs> yes. uh, Mike. And so I, I make fun of other people too sometimes, including no, myself. It's very rare. It's pretty much just me. The, the third or fourth post down right now is an exceptional Stephen chat <laughs> yes. about the colorful dog. There's, there's, one, there's one in which Mike wanted to, to say and he tweeted dastard. See, I now have to edit this show for, for, to, to, to cut out your curse word. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you mm. use a fancy effect? Effect? 
please? Like, like what? Um, what do you want? Like, like an uh, the, I don't know, like a like a like a Fiat car uh, horn. All right, I can do that. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I'm surprised you haven't got a URL for mic chats. It's that that is a lot of work. Okay. Well, so is keeping up to date with that site. But it's anyway. really not because Tumblr actually makes it really easy, but I just haven't done it. I should do it. I should kickstart. Here's what I'm going to do. You should do it. I should kickstart buying a domain name. Can you guys, how much money did the potato salad guy? It's up right? to $70,000. Okay. Before we finish the Dr. Drain <laughs> follow-up. That makes me so angry. Well. So it's great for the guy. $70,000 is obviously a ton of money, but there are about a million causes in this world that need that money more than a joker making. Yeah, uh, I know. I, I agree it, with that, but I also take umbrage with that kind of. Did you give him money? Did you back his Kickstarter? No, I have no want or need to do that. It's the guy did a funny thing and now he's getting money for it. It's like a comedian receiving money for people buying yeah. their DVD. It's like. You know, I mean, yeah, of course, but it's five thousand people putting in like ten bucks. It's like it's like people going to a Justin Bieber concert, and the people that put this money in, I'm sure that a massive proportion of them support charities because their um, it's disposable income so high. I mean, I get that the idea that that ten dollars no, would probably be better going to a charity, but allow the guys he's five yeah, minutes. He's at, at this recording at seventy two thousand one hundred fifty one dollars pledged of a ten dollar goal. I think it's, I mean, I have no interest in it and it's, you know, is what it is, but I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of funny. Like I, yeah, I guess I, the that's... situation, I find the whole situation funny because the guy just obviously was doing it for a joke and now he's made a ridiculous amount of money, which he's turning into like a fundraiser benefit thing. Yeah, no, $72,000 is more than a lot of people make a year. Like... Yeah, like he's, a, he's doing something for his local community, I think, with the money now. Good. Um... Yeah, I guess it's, you know, if if you if you're angry about this, you're gonna be angry about a lot of things. Yeah, like it seems you know? like he's not gonna take that money and just put yeah, it in his back pocket. At, at least that's. Uh, by the way, I was joking about Justin Bieber. I do like a couple of songs. Like you guys know that, the, like the famous one, like Baby. Could Have you, you ever listen? Sing it for us. Like, baby, baby, baby. Ooh, you know. <laughs> Why are you making me sing Justin Bieber? Come on. Because we need a previously clip for next week. <laughs> And I needed a ringtone. <laughs> uh, so we had some more, uh, a bunch of people wrote in arguing with points we had made about Sherlocking. And, but the common thread was like Apple Sherlock's itself, which like if the definition of Sherlocking is Apple moving into a space that a third party developer occupies, then that definition rules out the possibility that Apple could Sherlock itself. But, this is a mind experiment. Semantics, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mind palace in here. Um, I don't think that you can share like yourself. I think you just update your existing product line. The Bible tells you not to. <laughs> but there's lots of examples of Apple replacing old software and new software. Like I put three mm-hmm. in uh, Apple Works to iWork. You know, iPhoto and Aperture to Photos, which we're going to talk about in a second. And like, even if we want to go really big, like. The carbon framework, you know, being replaced. Like, but part there's, there's of Sherlocking, of... though, a big part of Sherlocking is it being unexpected, and it's not like, well, maybe in Apple it is, but it's not like the team working on on 
iPhoto are surprised when photos comes along. Like it's although, right. They probably I, made it. Like yeah, I, I I agree. I think internal Sherlocking as a term is probably not a thing, but I I just think it's, it is interesting, and it goes to the point that this happens all over this industry, not just when Apple moves into space that a third party developer occupies. Sure. Then we 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 could also say that Zwift is is a Sherlocking Objective C. Yeah. Which is Sherlocking, you know, I mean, you can go back and back and back, like, because things change and things evolve. And just because something is here today doesn't mean it'll be here tomorrow. Like, if you had told me a year ago that iPhoto was going to go away, I'd honestly probably be a little surprised. I figured it'd get an overhaul. But that that brand has been around for, you know, a decade or more. So we didn't talk about the iPhoto thing. And I have a question I wanted to ask you guys about this. What do you think is going to happen to the rest of iLife? The rest of our, our life or uh, I life? Our lives, for one, uh, and then I life as uh, a secondary point. Well, Steven said that what's here today may not be here tomorrow, which is kind of sad and true. So I agree with that about life. And about I life, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's super deep. Uh, yeah. About I life, um, what's left of I life at this point? It's because I photo is going away. Yeah, it's, so it's iWeb iMovie. and iDVD are dead. Yeah, it's iMovie so and GarageBand. iMovie and GarageBand. They're probably going to drop the iLife name. They basically already have because when they went to the App Store, they uncoupled. It used to be like, shockingly, I have these discs somewhere in my attic. Oh, but like, really? You went and bought like... <laughs> you went and bought like <laughs> iLife 05 from the store and it was on a DVD and, and all those things... Like you installed them all at once, and and Apple decoupled them a long time ago. It is weird to think though that only two out of the five, and iWeb wasn't even original. They added iWeb, and then it went away like three years later. It had a short life, thankfully. But yeah, only only two of the five. I, I think GarageBand and iMovie are safe because Apple's Pro solutions, so Final Cut Pro Ten and Logic, are so advanced. Like they they almost have to have a consumer side to that coin because you know you're not going to edit like your kids like kindergarten graduation in final cut pro because it's two hundred dollars and it's complicated where iMovie is free yeah but they're not going to have a pro side to the photos coin anymore yeah but they they barely did aperture never really got the attention or the upkeep that even final cut pro or logic did like aperture's always been a second class citizen I find it really interesting that they're offering an uh, a path to export to Lightroom. Have you seen this? That that's not clear because uh, basically the problem was a TechCrunch uh, article saying that Apple was uh, working with Adobe to provide a way to migrate to Lightroom. Yeah. And then TechCrunch updated the post saying that it it's not like Apple is working officially with Adobe. So it's not clear well, if there's going to be any sense, does it? Yeah. It's not clear if there's going to be an official tool or not. Right. Okay. There's probably going to be some way because you you can you can do stuff with the iPhoto database anyway. So if Apple doesn't do it, I guess Adobe will work out a solution or maybe just some user yeah. will do it and will put it up on GitHub or something. Yeah, I think there'll be there are already third-party apps you can go in and like run against your iPhoto library to check for duplicates yeah. and that sort of thing. And yeah, if, if I use crack- one. I use one to explore less uh, less years even from yeah. iPhoto to Dropbox. Yeah, so that's kind of where I wanted to go to go next with this. Um, 
as we have talked about at length on the prompt since day one, like we use more or less use Dropbox as our photo management solution. Dropbox, Dropbox plus the Finder, and they talked about this this on ATP last week, and um, it's basically what Casey does. I don't know if it's on Dropbox, but it's in Finder, and he kind of got poked fun of. And and Syracuse made the argument that like he can really drill down to what he wants because he's he's put a labor of love into his metadata, so he can he can sort by faces. You know, iPhoto. As facial recognition says, so hey, is this picture Mike Hurley? And you click yes enough times and it figures out what Mike looks like. You can geotag. You can put all these ratings. Like I could say, you know, these are my pictures of Mike at WWDC in 2013 that I rated three stars and higher. And I could really narrow that down. You obviously don't get that in the Finder with solutions like we use. Yeah, and, which is uh, why I'm looking forward to photos because... I don't and, like that, but I but I was listening to ATP, and I don't have the patience to do what yeah. Syracuse does. I just don't have that patience. So yeah, um, also because for me, like I I don't know how to rate my photos. Yeah, like L- like what what's the difference him, between yeah. three and and four stars? I mean, I know that if there's anyone <laughs> in the world that knows the answer to that question, it is John Syracuse. He knows yeah. the difference. Like, well, and, and he even said point. that that one to five is probably too complex that why not be thumbs up thumbs down like yeah. just a gut reaction this is a good photo this is not because apparently it's, there's a heart right there's like a, some sort of like functionality in the new photos yes. yeah app anyway so yeah so there's there's a lot of different ways to do it and, and what i got to, to thinking about is okay like i've got my photo library is just shy of 70 gigs it sits on dropbox it's sorted loosely by subject so there's overlap. So I have a picture named, you know, Allison. It's got pictures of my daughter, but there's pictures of Allison all over the place in our trip to Disney World last year. Or, you know, um, she's in photos of my son's birthday party from two years ago. Like there's, if you use just the file system to organize your photos, it does break down to a point. And I'm kind of at that point with it. And so I'm thinking, you know, I hope that photos does what it's supposed to do. And I'm definitely going to give it a shot. But will I be starting further back because I don't have all this metadata associated with my photos? And I'm not suggesting that I'm going to take two weeks off work and like label everything in my iPhoto library. But I think after a couple of hours or a weekend, I could have broad strokes in there. Like I want all the metadata correct about family photos and you know, like photos of me, you know, classifying my old Macs. Like that's not as important for day one. You'd probably put that top of the list though. It's uh, you've probably already got those classified. Yeah, he has. He's got the so, four places. I don't know. So, what do you guys think? Are you looking forward to photos? What What are your thoughts? I'm really looking forward to the photos app because in, if if it is exactly as they've shown, or you know, if it is, if it at least has everything that they've shown in it, it's going to have pretty much everything that that I look for, like location, rough time, and visual preview. That's what I want, and like that's all that I really care about. Like, if I'm then able to tag things as well, you know, cool. If I want to do that, but and you know, if I'm able to to sort of say this is a good picture and I can like it, those sort of features are more than enough for me. And simple editing tools, like a lot of it that's done to automatically to a point to make things look better. That's all I want, and because I'm I'm at the time of my life where most of the photos that I take are actually not really that important, you know. Um, yeah. it, it seems like, and this is something again that they will talk about in ATP, 
it changed for Marco and John when they had kids. Sure. And I can really see that, and I imagine that's probably the same for you. Absolutely. Um, because you finally have something that's actually pretty important to take photos of and memories that you want to keep. Yeah. Um, where, you know, I'm sure for me and Federico, most of the things that we take pictures of, we would prefer to forget. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> what did, well, how did you put it last week? You guys are very dedicated teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think I think Apple's got... Yeah, the the problem that they've had for a long time in consumer software, where they have a really broad audience. They have people like you guys who all your pictures are taken on your iPhone, and you know, Mike. Until we helped you, they were all on your camera roll, and you just imported them every once in a while. And now I would say that the three of us are towards the high end of things, where like we have them organized and they're backed up to a degree, and they're or you know, sort of. Not just a big pile of JPEGs, but you also have people who maybe don't like Lightroom or or people like me where I'm, I've got a nice, you know, micro four thirds camera that I use a good bit, but I would say most of my photos are still taken on my phone. So they already, they get geotagged automatically and that sort of thing. Um, And so I don't really necessarily need Lightroom's capabilities. In fact, some ways Lightroom is a drawback from this. If Apple gets all this, you know, this thing is basically going to work like PhotoStream where you can view, or like a, like a iTunes match where I can see all of my photos on my device, even though they're not locally downloaded and kind of download on demand. And if all that works, then that puts it ahead of Lightroom in, in a lot of ways, as far as syncing to multiple devices. So just they've got to figure out who their users are, what those users want, and I think if the three of us can agree that this is a good solution, then that covers like I would say the bulk of people. You know, we're not fancy DSLR shooting maniacs all in Lightroom dealing with raw photos all the time. You know, we're you know average to prosumer kind of range. I think that's what Apple has to hit. I'm pretty optimistic about photos because from what I've seen and from what we talked about so far, it seems like the sort of basic solution that's integrated with iOS and OS 10 that we we always wanted. Basically, I'm not really worried about, you know, storage sizes and and, and cost of the the iCloud for library. I'm just, you know, a little skeptical about the kind of... um, uh, photo discovery features that Apple is gonna do because I really, really enjoy like in Everpix before it was dead, and now in Picture Life I really like um, discovering old photos again, either with the location, um, the location uh, view that they have that they let you browse a full map to see photos um, with over time, and they let you they let you of course get the the, the memories which is photos taken on the same day years ago. And I really like, you know, just remembering, oh, yeah, I was on vacation on that day, or maybe I was, I don't know, I was walking with my dog. And and so I really like these photo discovery features that Picture Life and others have been doing. And it doesn't seem like Apple wants to do this kind of stuff. It's just about storing and sharing and editing and archiving, of course. And so maybe I guess that... Um, for the time being, I won't. I won't really uh, change my Dropbox setup because I. Well, I guess it's two reasons. One, I do like to to keep a second backup on Dropbox because you never know, you know, with iCloud, and 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 second because I I want to 
I want to keep using Picture Life because uh, uh, the features of Picture Life that I, that I like a lot, uh, I haven't seen those in, in photos for iOS, uh, iOS 8 and, and Yosemite. So, I mean, if Apple does that stuff as well, I, uh, I, I may consider a full migration, you know, from my system. Because, uh, I mean, I have photos in, in three places, basically. Which seems a little too much, maybe. I don't know, maybe there's not too much for, for your photos because they, they're important, you know? That's so, I don't know, Stephen. Right now, I'm just gonna, you know, wait it out and see. Yeah, my, my you know, mine are on my laptop, they're on my desktop, they're on both of those time machine drives, they're on both of those crash plan accounts. Like, yeah. Because for me, it's that, and that's my concern is you know, is this thing going to actually work with the files? And, and I've I had a, several people email me this week and I sort of emailed them back directly, but we can address it here. As long as photos has a toggle somewhere of, you know, everything in your photos account is saved on this computer, then you can back that up. Like everything in iCloud that you store locally in your computer is in a container in your library folder. So he yeah, has not yeah. as like sexy as Dropbox, but you can back them up to a time machine drive um, you can ensure that they are not just on your, you know, your local disk. And so I'm not so worried about the backup yet. You know, if, if I can have my two computers and I tell them both, you know, everything I have in, in photos download all the time, like how I use iTunes match on my home computer. I think that'll be good enough. I really, really hope that Apple changes the way that you can browse photos, uh, by location because right now uh, there's the uh, what's name moments and um, what's the organization in the photos app right now? It's moments and collections. Yeah, I think so. So right now you can only view uh, groups of photos on a location if you choose a moment or a collection. You cannot say I want to see all my photos on a map, and you can do that on Picture Life. And I prefer that approach because often I don't remember like the time period when I took a photo, so I want to see a full map, and then I want to see the time, you know? Like, like Apple has it backwards for me, so I prefer the, the approach in picture life, because you see a full map, then you see all the photos, and then you filter down by time and location on the map directly. And so I hope that that, that stuff changes in iOS 8. I'm pretty sure I also filed the radar for this. And, um, That'll get it yeah. done. Yeah, you know, whatever I can do. Yeah, uh, there's definitely some discovery issues. I'm I'm uploading it now for you guys. I just took a screenshot of like the in, in photos on iOS seven. You go from years and then you you drill down and like that view is basically unusable. And you can scrub over and get previews, but everything mean, is so small on on Apple's uh, iOS eight website. The when I see the um, the photos app and it shows the years. Uh, so when you go in, so when you go into the photos page, um, it shows the years view as one of the the images. And every time I scroll past it, I think something's broken. Like it yeah. looks like there's a glitch of some description. Yeah, like it's video tearing. Oh, I actually think they've changed it. They've changed the image. The top it. The, oh no, there it is. It's oh, yeah. It looks like something's wrong. You have to scroll through the little carousel and you'll see it. Oh yeah, and Apple is really proud of that uh, design they are. because it they, because they it's bought like that from a, somebody, right? Oh uh, yeah, then they come from their some app, yeah, color, yeah, 
like 40 million uh, <laughs> the company that the startup that launched to 40 million valuation or funding i cannot remember i think the thing that they're proud of the most is how you can sort of press down and it shows you the it pops out the little preview because that's what they always show that's pretty nice it is nice i think because it's a a demonstration of the power of the hardware i actually want to say like publicly on the record that i do like apple's filters for photos so do i never use them I, I I do use them all the time. Is it? Is I guess it's like I should be ashamed of, of this because of the cool kids use Visco Cam on, or Instagram. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was using Visco, but I've since Instagram's update, it has pretty much just enough for me to make photos look the way that I want. I don't even use um, Instagram filters anymore. I just adjust things to how I want it to look and post it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, we talked about photo management. Yeah, for like 20 minutes. Again. <laughs> we, you realize that we have a problem. Yeah. And we need like a software rehab. Like we're not even, like today's discussion, it wasn't a joke. This was a serious discussion. No, this is you know? ser- the, the, what's, what's worse about all this is that we're that serious about mm. photo management. But yet we all kind of are not serious enough to tag our photos correctly. Yeah. You Hang see, <laughs> we say that we, not, we don't have the patience. To, to do that and then we spend hours talking about it just doesn't add up <laughs> well i think part of it is before we wrap up is that even if uh, you know we all move back to photos like you don't have to use all the organizational stuff like it's like omnifocus like i don't use contacts that doesn't mean i use omnifocus wrong like it i could use places but not faces or i could use you know meta tags but not ratings like this is all the tools that there doesn't mean you have to use them all. And as like big as my system is starting to get, it's it kind of works for me because I think via subject and sort of like I want to see all my Florida pictures from two years ago in one place. And I think it's just Apple giving people a bunch of different tools and you can use whatever combination you want to make a system that works for you. You know, you just said about uh, I want to see all my pictures from, you know, Florida. And I, I was looking at the web page, and I just remembered that there's gonna be a, a the search feature. Yeah, that's what and that's so, what excites me the most. Yes, and and Picture Life lets you do that kind of search, Stephen. Oh. Like, I want to see photos from I don't know uh, Rome uh, two years ago on a on a Monday. You can wow. go really really down with the with the with the filters and and like natural language uh, style searches and so i'm hoping that that apple will do will do some some kind of uh, you know uh, smart uh, searches for that and the example on the website they're just like california or canada yeah it's not like a picture life picture life sounds really really great like everything yeah. that we wanted but i'm just not going to sign up for a photo service now yeah no. that's the problem and they even redesigned like last week yeah because and people have people have to tell us naturally, you know, and we're not making it better for ourselves. But whenever whenever a photo app gets an update, we get told. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That's those we, emails never stop. We dug our own grave in this. No, scenario. and that's great. I know. I mean, yeah. because people know that we like this. Stuff. Clearly, yeah, and, and we do, <laughs> and I do use Picture Life. Yeah, but I just, I mean, I look at it and it looks fantastic and it looks really, really great. But I'm just not interested in another picture app. Yeah, you know, I know. Anyway, Mike, um, I think it's your turn to tell us about our friends. Let's do that. Let me tell you about Linda. 
Com. They're back supporting the world's greatest podcast again. Linda has over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses taught by industry experts with courses added every single day on fantastic topics, creative software, business skills stuff, um, anything to help you achieve your personal and professional goals. And they allow you to do this wherever and whenever you want. Linda has an incredibly wide breadth and range of courses. They have everything from to take you from beginner to advanced, and no matter where you are on that stage, they have videos for you. If you want to take something for beginners or you're already an advanced user, you're going to go in and find stuff that's relevant to you. They make it really easy to learn these new things, no matter what level you're at. Lynda.com makes it a breeze to learn whenever and wherever you want, and they do this by allowing you to view the videos on your computer, your tablet, or even on your mobile device too. Every single course is structured so you can learn from start to finish or just jump on in at any point and find a quick answer. They do this in a couple of different ways. They give you access not only to these searchable transcripts, so you can go in and be like, oh, I want to find out how to set this compression feature to this point, and that's fine. Or you can just jump on in, you can scroll around and quickly very quickly and easily find uh, the pit that you're looking for and they have closed caption transcripts so you can very very easily follow along with the videos that they put up there too. These videos are absolutely fantastic. They have high quality video production from state-of-the-art studios that make these videos look fantastic. They're not like a guy who's pointing a video camera at a Windows uh, monitor to you know <laughs> to do some video capture and he's sat sitting in the other room talking to you about it, reading from a script. Their videos include animations and diagrams to make sure that you really understand what you're learning and the instructors are accomplished professionals at the tops of their fields of a true passion for teaching. Lynda.com has only one low monthly price of $25. This provides unlimited access to their entire course library. They have so many courses and they have things like, let me give you a couple of them. You want Maybe you want to help some, maybe a friend or the family or something like that, or maybe you want to learn yourself about OS X Mavericks tra- uh, essentials and training on to learn how to use Mavericks better. Maybe you want to dive right in and learn the creative suite. Photoshop, InDesign, they've got all of that. What about what if you want to learn how to use WordPress? Well, they've got that Pro Tools, Final Cut Pro, uh, Logic 10, everything. If you want to learn how to develop an application for the iPhone or maybe for the Mac, they've got all the stuff that you need there as well. Here's the really cool part. Lynda.com is giving listeners of the prompt a special offer to access the entire library for free for seven days. Visit lynda.com slash the prompt. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-H-E-P-R-O-M-P-T. So thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting 5 by 5 and the world's greatest podcast. That's lynda.com slash the prompt to find out everything that you need. So this is now my turn. It yes. is. Can, I, can we open these links yet? No, I will tell you when you can open those links. So, you remember uh, last week, I over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Android Wear, um, and we spoke about it a bit when it, when it came out as well. Um, and I mentioned on last week's episode that I uh, ordered a LG G Watch, one of the two um, Android Wear watches that's currently available. And it arrived uh, on Sunday. So, um, I have been... I. Um, set everything up um i moved my sim over into my nexus 5 and i had been using uh i had used uh, my nexus 5 and the android wear lg g watch for two straight days they were my devices 
So um, I didn't. I was using my iPad, but I did not use my iPhone for that for that whole period of time, because I wanted to get a, an idea. Now this is not a full review. I mean, two days is not enough time to, to construct a full review, but it's given me more than enough stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah, you've um, really got to be testing something for a couple of weeks. Yeah, to really understand if you like it or not. Two days is not so much of a of a barometer of if you can really say if you like it or not. But I do have some opinions. Um. So as I mentioned, I'm completely on Android for this time period too. Um, I couldn't really do more than two days because I was just struggling with Android in general. The apps just aren't as good. Like these, I I just find at the moment that that I can't use Android for as long a period of time. So I found it hard to stick around. But I have more on that a little bit later. So. Another thing for me when looking at a device like this and looking at um, Google Now, because that's what a lot of the Android Wear stuff is built on, I don't feel like I can get the full experience out of it because I'm not all in on Google. So like I use iCloud email for a bunch of personal stuff like shipping notifications, buying plane tickets and things like that. And I would have to change all of that stuff over to Google Now to get the most out of Now because you kind of need to give it everything to get the best scenario out of it. Yeah, but I do think like I've had enough of an overview of the device and the whole system to talk about what I like of it and what I don't like. So I've broken this down to a few few uh, few sections, and I mean, you guys can feel free to ask me questions at any point, um, or you know, you can save them to the end. It's completely up to you. So let's talk about the hardware. So um, I take it out of the box. Um, it's packaged okay, and there's no buttons on the device. So it's not on. How do you turn it on? Exactly. So I'm flipping it around. um, I'm tapping the screen, shaking it. Um, I tried talking to it. Uh, I couldn't work it out. So I had to do something that I never do. I had to go and find the manual. And I opened the manual. And the way that you turn this device on is you have to plug in the little charger and the cradle that it comes with. And you have to put it in the charging cradle. And that will turn it on. This the, is the, that sounds terrible. This what if is you, the same. What if you travel? What if you travel and forget the cradle somewhere? It's like game over. I have more on that. Yeah, in a moment. Did you already lose it? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you don't have the cradle with you, you can't turn the device on. So Jeez. if you turn it off, you right. can't turn it back on again. So if you go to the gym, yeah. turn it off, stick it in your locker, you go back, you're just stuck. Yeah, so you that's just, terrible. You don't. That turn, seems stupid. Yeah, you don't turn it. You don't turn it off. Is is really the 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 way that you deal with that, which is not beneficial because if you're going to be away from, let's say, if you go to say you go for the gym for two hours, it would be best if you if the phone wasn't just amassing the notifications and burning the battery. Sorry, if the watch wasn't burning the battery for two hours, if you don't want to wear it, it'd be great if you could turn it off. Well, you can't do that. It's a fundamental design problem. I don't know if the other watches are like this but I know that this one is, and it's insane. So the charging cradle itself is a good thing for it to come with because I found that it made the process of charging it easier. So one of the most frustrating things about my Pebble is it comes with this little charger, which I keep in my bag, and I have to unplug it and find a plug and then plug it in. And But this thing, I leave it, um, the charger is on my bedside table, and when I go to bed at night, the place that I put my watch is in the cradle. 
So it took the need of charging it every day. It kind of made it a non-issue when I'm obviously when I have when I'm at home with the cradle with me, because the place that I put my watch is just in its charging cradle. The issue lies where if I am which needing to be anywhere for where I'm not overnight at home, which happens like every weekend. I'm I typically spending it at my girlfriend's house, so I would need to take that. I would need to keep that charger with me all the time. Now, my Pebble charger, I keep it in my in my rucksack and I just charge it anywhere because I'm able to just plug the USB in and hook the little cable up. But having a little cradle is not as easy because it's like this little box thing. It's not just a cable. The proprietary charger problem as a whole is a pain. Like I wish that the Pebble didn't have a proprietary charger and it was just like mini USB or micro USB or something. Sure. Yeah, totally. Because totally. then I could charge it anywhere at any time. So that's really frustrating. I found the battery lasted more than a full day on a single charge, which I was very surprised about. I did not expect that. But for me personally, and I get lots of notifications because I left them all on. I purposely didn't turn anything off. Ah. I wanted to to see if it would last, and it did. It actually lasted a day and a half. It's actually, my phone, my iPhone cannot do that. Exactly. Which is pathetic. So and the watch lasted a full day. Your mileage may vary. I've seen people say I've had this on. For, I've seen people tweet I had this on for two and a half hours and it's dead. Well, that didn't happen to me. I used it for for about two and a half days and I only I had it charging overnight basically and it was absolutely fine for me. Um, the watch itself is no less comfortable than my Pebble. It's lighter than my Pebble, so it's nice. It looks huge, but it's. N- this is what people have said about the Moto 360. In pictures, and there will be some pictures in show notes, it looks a lot bigger than it actually is. Like, it's a little bit bigger than my Pebble. It is big. It's big for any watch, really. But it wasn't, at least on, I didn't find that it was, like, eclipsing me. Like, it was It was fine. Like, it wasn't huge. It wasn't insane or, or like, a ridiculous size. Yeah, so it wasn't heavy. I didn't feel like I had like a tea tray strapped to my arm or like an iPad mini. Like it's it was fine. The strap that it comes with is not amazing. It's like a rubbery thing, but it was it's okay. Um, I don't really have. It, it, there's nothing inspiring about the design at all. It's just a black rectangle. I feel that even though the Moto 360 is not to everybody's tastes. And people, you know, can poke fun of it for certain things, and and some things are, are I think okay, some some I think people are harsh, um, because I actually think it's really nice. But anyway, I I think you can at least say that the Moto three hundred and sixty is an interesting design. Um, yeah, because you just don't see round LCDs like computers yeah. are square or rectangular, and they they have been for a really long time. So at least they're doing something with it. LG went for the lowest common denominator with this de- with this design. Um, the vibrate motor as well isn't as aggressive as the one on the Pebble, and um, I actually had it on for the whole time. This was partly to see what it was like and also to, again, to put the battery through its paces. So that's hardware. Do you have any questions about the hardware that are pressing? How's the, the touch response? So when you oh, yeah. do something, does it feel fast? Um, I didn't have a problem with the touch response. I there were sometimes where I feel like my touches were missed, but the swiping, um, the swiping of the cards up and down and left and right and stuff like that to like to flick through the cards and to slide, to swipe. Um, you swipe them to the right to dismiss them and swipe them to the left for more actions. Um, 
that was all perfectly fluid. Like it was doing that really quickly. It was it was fast to respond, and obviously that's a play between the hardware and the software. And, and I didn't find that to be an issue um, in my testing. How's how's the band? Uh, it's not fantastic. It's like rubber, basically. Um, I, I under, my understanding is at least one of these watches you can replace the band. I don't think it's uh, don't think it's this one because I can't see how you would do it. Mm. Uh, but the but I would like to replace this this um, this band. I don't think it's very nice. I don't like it. And it, it just is it a standard where you can like just change it out like you can on the Pebble Steel? Uh, no, you can't. Ah, so you're you're stuck with it. Yeah, you're stuck with it. And on the the Pebble Steel, you can't you can't change it out for standard. The original Pebble, you can. The Pebble Steel has a choice of the lever or the steel one that it comes that, with. That's right. My, my bad. Um, this might be a dumb question just because I I I watched some review videos but didn't really. I'm not interested in buying one, so I didn't do a ton of research. Does it have a microphone on board for Google Now stuff, or yes. how how does that like? Are you in the are you on the train with like your watch next to your mouth so it can hear you, or is it pretty pretty reasonable to to use day to day? You have to raise it to your mouth to talk into it. Um, and it and I've found that it picked me up very very well. Can you say okay, Google? That's how to- you that's how you make it do its okay. thing um but there there's an interesting part to that so the okay google um command you have to tap the screen first you have to wait because but there's two states of the screen there's a sleep mode which is just on the lg watch is a black face with white text so you need to tap that to bring it to the color screen the main screen and then you can use the okay google command now, this is, I think, a good and bad thing for differing reasons. So, obviously, it's good because it means that if people say, okay, Google, your watch isn't going crazy, it's bad because you have to do something. It's not hands-free. So, like, a lot of these things in, in, in my life, I would like to be able to give these commands when I only have one arm free or, or even if both hands are full I could just move my wrist and talk in, to my watch you know in theory if that's what you're going to use this sort of stuff for it makes sense to me that it's that kind of thing so th- by having to touch the screen again it's kind of crazy there was one point I wanted to I wanted I had a, a thought I wanted to enter a to-do item and my, I had my hands full I think I was carrying breakfast and a coffee and I wanted to to use the watch so I actually tapped the screen with my nose and then spoke so mm-hmm. there you go you have you have that as something that well, i did this week so let me what talk- did you have for breakfast i think it was a croissant mm-hmm. that day. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Mm. let me t- so guys um i want to talk about notification screens so th- so let me talk about the software actually in general so the first the first notification screens that I got were completely useless to me. Now, you will see in the show notes, and gentlemen, you will have them too, links labeled 1 and 2. And you can feel free to click these links now so you can see. These were the first notifications that I received um, on my Android Wear watch after turning it on. <laughs> and for anybody that can't see this, uh, I have a white box with a question mark in it. That's all oh, there wow. was. So that what in the first one is the preview, and then you swipe up, and the second one is just an expanded view where I see a question mark and a gust of wind indicator and a rain indicator. 
with that's no information. Like, that's the meaning of life. I, I think so. Now, this was all I had. It Minimal. Did, it didn't it, give me... Is it going me, to rain today? I don't know. But it didn't give says. me... It said, like, you know, it gave me the Android Wear startup screen, and this was what I got. I paired it to my phone. It was paired to my phone at this point, and this was the notification that I had. And it didn't give me anything. And then about five minutes later, it prompted me for a system update, which I did, and then it started to work. Hmm. But, like, what is that? Like, <laughs> how is this a good first experience? For somebody like these are the first things you see when you turn on this, on this revolutionary device is a blank box of a question mark in it. That's fine. It, it, oh, that's a fine. good it's metaphor for. That's a good metaphor for this watch, I guess. This this is a a, a theme that you're going to hear throughout the rest um, of of my discussion around this this device is there are significant parts of the Android Wear. Uh, software and these devices, I think, or at least this device, that make it so far away from being mainstream. There are so many weird things that it does and little quirks that it has that you just couldn't give this to somebody who wasn't willing to hack around with it. So you'll you'll hear about a few more of these. But, I mean, that's sort of like... Google versus Apple. Like Apple would not release something that its first notification was blank and yes, you I agree. To tinker I agree. with like systems. You know, like it. No, I do. I actually do agree with that. And I'm usually someone who uh, tries to, to to you know play disagree, devil's advocate disagree, or disagree or, with me for no reason. Yep, or to just to try and stay in the middle of these kind of discussions. But I agree that I I I would be when it happened. I was frustrated but not surprised. If I got that on an Apple device, I would be extremely surprised, and Consumer Reports would would be on board with that scenario, I'm sure. So there aren't many apps at the moment that are updated to take advantage of the Wear functionality or have new features for it. The section of the store where they have this stuff is limited to about 20 applications at the moment that are currently using the Android Wear SDK, which made me smile today when I saw a Verge article about the 12 best apps with Android Wear. Well, there's only like 20 in total, so you don't just remove. Anyway, um, the LG G Watch has uh, some slightly different watch faces to choose from, and I like a lot of them. I think they look really cool. They're, some of them are very bright and colorful. Um, some of them are like have got interesting like mechanics, like they show a watch in a peculiar and kind of weird way. But there were lots to choose from, and I liked them. They were nice. They were appealing for me to look at. Um, the notifications appear to you as cards. So all the notifications that you receive on your device, they show us these little cards. And this this comes from the material design and all that sort of stuff, the, the card metaphor. If you swipe away a card without meaning to, you can't get it back. The notification is then cleared from your phone as well, which in if you do it, if you mean to swipe it away, that's the actual way you would like to see this done. So it would clear the notification from your phone. That makes sense. So that's something that doesn't happen with the Pebble because they're not linked in that way. There's no uh, there's no core OS link between them. So you mark a notification as viewed on the Pebble, and it just doesn't. Do, it's still in my notification center. But with the uh, the Android Wear Watch, you mark you mark it as viewed, and it goes away. But if you do it by accident, you miss it. However, what I found was like there was one scenario for me where uh, it alerted me about an appo- an, al- an appointment 
And instead of swiping up, I swiped to the right by accident. And I didn't see what appointment I was being alerted for. But then I say, okay, Google, what's my next appointment? And in a second, it tells me. So yes, you might miss things, but a lot of that information is readily available to you. And a lot of it will reappear. So let's say you swipe away a weather uh, notification. The weather notification will come back later on in the day at some point. You know, wh- either uh, whether the phone feels that it's a contextual time to tell you, or there's like a times interval to some of them. But you know, it, t- it tends to come back. Um, I was using Pocket Cast to listen to some podcasts, and this is a bug that I found with all audio playing applications. Two kind of bugs. You get um, Android has a stock music. Uh, widget, which is like a notification, an actual notification. And then all of these apps have their own as well. Now on the phone, you can kind of just ignore them, whatever. But what I, what you, what I ended up with is for the podcast that I was playing or for Spotify music that I was playing, I would see one uh, card that could control Spotify and showed me the preview of the podcast. Then I had another one which was showing me the album artwork of the podcast and had more play controls. The Pocket Cast notification um, had action that I could use. I could pause the podcast, skip it by 30 seconds or skip it back by 30 seconds. That worked perfectly. That was fantastic. The music control also has a pause button, but hitting it does nothing. So you press the pause button and it shows that it's paused, but it's not paused anything. And this is all music apps. So I tried it with Spotify. I tried it with audio playing from Chrome and also Pocket Casts. It doesn't do anything. It just doesn't work. The general music card in Android Wear is, is just broken. That's because, But when you try I mean, that, it... That's like a core thing. Like. Yeah. But when you go onto the phone and press the pause app in the notification widget that is the music notification widget, it works. But it just doesn't work. It's so weird. But it gives... It, sh- it updates the UI like it has, but it doesn't do anything. However... That notification itself is one of the best-looking notifications. So if you click image number three, gentlemen, and and gentlemen and ladies listening, you'll see me listening to an album in Spotify, and it does a really great job of pulling in the album artwork, giving you an overlay of um, the like the song that's playing. I thought that that UI is really, really good to look at. Yeah. It'd be nice um, if you could read it all, but... Uh, I think it scrolls. Does it? Yeah. Um. To my memory, it does. Nice song, by the way. Thank you. That was for you, Federico. Um, I also, and it does the same with like our album artwork. Uh, looks fantastic. I think that I've got a, a screenshot of that later on to show you. But no, I sent that to you, didn't I? I sent you a picture of that. But so it's the same sort of idea of, with podcasts. It takes them and it and it plays uh, the audio um, in a really nice way. So uh, I just found that just so frustrating. Um, no, the notifications themselves are pretty cool. So if you get a message in an app like WhatsApp or you get an email, you can actually read the whole message. You just keep right. swiping. You you tap it. So if you're swiping through, it will just show you like the the, the like uh, a brief summary, like the first few lines or whatever. So you can keep swiping through your other notifications. But then if you tap the notification, it expands and you can read the whole message, um, which I, I really liked. I think it's, um, it's a pretty cool system. I, I liked it. Um, and then you can do things. They have uh, actions that you can perform. So with some apps, like if it's an app that has an integrated um, Google Now, so like WhatsApp, right? 
you can swipe and press open on phone. And then when you unlock your phone, it's opened to the correct place in the application, which I really liked. I thought that was a nice way of dealing with it. It's basically what happens when you tap the notification on your phone. It does that. I, I actually quite like that. I think that was a, a good solution to dealing with there being not 100% third-party support. Mm-hmm. But the the really interesting thing comes from applications that currently exist in the store that use the buttons, like actionable buttons and notifications. So, like for example, um, Pocket Casts, the play controls that I mentioned, they're on their notification. That's why they show up on the watch. But also, like... Um, if an email app like the Gmail app has archive, you can use those buttons that are typically in the notifications on the watch. So, for example, I receive an email. I tap the notification. I can read the email, swipe to the right, and archive it all from the watch. I like that's that. Pr- that's cool. It's really good for newsletters that I don't want. <laughs> See a newsletter, yeah. swipe, archive. Like it's, you know, I like that. I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. So, I found the notifications as a whole to be pre- like to be quite pretty. Um, and image number four is another example of a, what I consider to be a pretty notification. I, I actually, which is the prompt logo, um, which was the one that I mentioned, me listening to last week's episode. Uh, I think that it looks, where they take the contextual stuff from the applications and display them with the overlays, I think they're really nice. The problem is that they are bright and colorful. And the reason that's a problem is because people notice them. I was going to ask that because we talked about the pebble and you said people don't really seem to notice, but people notice you have a glowing computer on your wrist. There were multiple times over the past few days where I know that people were reading my what my conversations with you guys. Oh, that's terrifying. I, I was talking to someone and I turned around and there was a guy standing next to me who was in this bigger conversation. He was just reading everything that came up because yeah. you can't miss it because this is big, bright screen lighting up and it's extremely eye-catching because one, it's weird, like what the hell is happening to your wrist right now? And two, they're like really bright, really eye-catching. It's, you know, they stand out. They really do stand out. Um, I had a weird issue happen at one point um, that I'm going to tell you about. And I also have kind of my overall conclusion that I want to go through. But before I do that, I want to take a very quick break uh, to thank our second sponsor for this week's episode. And that is our friends over at Smile and PDF Pen for iPad. PDF Pen for iPad lets you edit PDFs anywhere you are, and it now features integration with Transporter. I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. PDF Pen for iPad lets you take advantage of a complete feature-rich mobile editing suite to let you perform actions like signing a contract, fixing a typo, correcting a price list of your favorite video games that you're selling on eBay, hey Federico, or filling out a form to become the lead genius of the Tennessee region, all while you're on the go. And if you like to take PDF documents with you and add notes, highlighting, and other markup during your downtime, you can now do all of that too, all within PDF Pen for iPad. PDF Pen for iPad lets you sync PDFs with PDF Pen for OS X using iCloud or Dropbox, and you're also able to grab and save PDFs from a bunch of different services like Dropbox, Evernote, Google Drive, Box, and now Transporter. PDF Pen for iPad's Transporter integration now lets you access PDFs on on the private secure cloud that Transporter provides for you. PDF Pen for iPad is available on the App Store, PDF Pen for OS X is available on the Mac App Store, and Transporter is available from filetransporter.com. If you want to find out more, go to smilesoftware.com prompt. And when you're there, you'll be able to see a fantastic video from our friend, Mr. David Sparks. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of 5x5 and the world's greatest podcast. 
So this let me tell you about a really frustrating bug that happened. So uh, I was trying to enter a to-do item uh, and I would tap the tap my screen, tap the OK, like tap the little button to either, you can tap the screen to activate OK Google or you can say OK Google and it will do the same. And you can then give your voice command. I give the voice command and then it would t- take the text in, the little thing would spin, 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 and then it would just say disconnected. It's like, okay, let me try that again. I maybe tried it five times, couldn't work out what was going on. I would just give a command and it would chew on it. It had no reason. It didn't say why. It didn't say what I needed to do. It would just say disconnected. So I restarted the watch because you can restart the watch. You, there's a command to turn it off, which you need to put in the cradle, or you can go press the command to restart it in the settings screen. Um, tried it again. doesn't give me anything. All it does is tells me the things I can do on the watch, but I can't do any of them because anytime I try and do any of them, it just says disconnected. It tells me the other commands I can make, which is really weird. Um, so I didn't know what to do. So then I restarted my phone and then it worked. I have no, I have no idea of why it wasn't working. I was still receiving notifications at that point. So there was a connection between the two devices. It just wasn't taking the voice input. I had full, I tried it on Wi-Fi. I tried it on 3G. I tried it on LTE. That's really frustrating. No idea why. And the thing is, when, the thing that I was trying to add was a to-do item. So I wanted to add it quickly. I wanted to get it out of the way, get it done. It just wasn't happening. However, when it does work, it is awesome. Like, and I know that's a, you know, whatever, it's a dumb thing to say, but being able to just uh, tap the watch, say, okay, Google, remind me to prepare for command space 8 o'clock today. And it will just take that and it will remind me 8 o'clock. Like, things like that. I, I liked it, but I wished that it worked 100% of the time, but it, and it did not. So that's the software. Do you have any questions about the software specifically? Besides general bugginess, hmm. what do you? What's one thing that you wish it could do that it, that it can't? It's, it's all about app support. I wish that there was more interesting um, things that app developers were doing that integrated more tightly with the device, like. The stuff that it does with the actionable notifications is a really nice workaround and it gives a lot of probably what the app developers will do anyway. But without a a good app store or, or you know, without really strong third-party support, it, you know, it, it's not that much more than the Pebble, to be honest. Does the watch have any uh, fitness or health uh, tracking stuff and did you use that? It, uh, it has a built-in step counter which is happening automatically. Uh, and so it, I was using it because I had the watch on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it to be in line with what my iPhone would give on a daily basis. Like mm-hmm. when I was taking my regular sort of day, because I was able to compare, you know, on the day where I go to the office, come home again, you know, it was giving me similar sort of, sort of step uh, information. So... What I've been uh, wondering a lot about is, um, is the notification overload uh, as bad as most people tend to say in the reviews? Well, it's up to you however you want to do it. I mean, you're only going to get notification overload if you have too many notifications on your phone. 
uh, I had what I considered was the right amount for me. But something that is you're able to do that I thought was really good is you're able to go into the Android Wear app because there's a dedicated app to for some of the functions of the device, and you can turn off receiving functions on the watch that you don't have to turn off on the phone. So let's say you didn't want to receive uh, group me messages on the watch, but you still wanted them to come through to your phone, where you can turn them off on an app-by-app basis. Mm-hmm. So the notification overload thing, I, I, I think it's actually a user error, Federico, not an error of the device, because you have the controls, to, and they're front and center, you have the controls to change it. And if you're getting too many notifications, you know that's something that you need to address as opposed to blaming the watch for it, I think. Do you think you would be willing to receive more or less notifications on your wrist? Than on my device or just in general? Like On your device. So like, would I be willing to get more on my wrist than I get on my phone? Yes. No, I found that I prefer less than I get on my phone. Less, yeah. okay. Because I didn't, again, I didn't do anything for... Um, this device but when i when i got my pebble i I turned off notifications for some apps that i didn't want to receive my pebble so i turned them off altogether so having the i wish that pebble had the same controls um being able to go in and turn it off like for example i would still quite like to get instagram notifications i can just flick through if i want to you know if they're just there they don't buzz they're just sort of in notification center but i don't get them anymore because they interrupt me with the watch but if i was able to go in and turn them off then i think that'd be better i don't i don't want all my notifications i wish there was a way as well like i haven't none of the devices that I've seen or that I've used can do this. It's like, for example, an application like GroupMe, I don't want to be notified individually of every single message coming yeah. in when they're coming in yeah. one after the other. I would really like it if they could say, if I receive a notification, don't give me another notification for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is a there is a, an app. I don't know if it's Google Hangouts or Slack or... But I, I, I'm pretty sure I tried one of these... Um, group messaging apps a while ago and it had a feature to like suppress notifications when yeah, they were you know closely together yeah because when they're on my phone it doesn't bother me so much but when they're lighting up my wrist it's a, it is a different thing for me yeah because typically if my phone's in view i'm in the group me you know yeah, yeah. but it's that's not happening. the same as because my wrist is kind of always in view so, is there any 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 sort of location feature to disable uh, notification previews while you're in public, like on the train? You can at any time pull down from the top and it mutes all notifications. So just mute because it'd be kind of cool if like the watch knows that you're moving in a, like on a public transportation to avoid, uh, like you said before, people from glancing at your watch. To like automatically disable previews, not just notifications, but the previews, like the text yeah. previews on the screen. So it that doesn't have cool. that, but I'm sure that there are apps on Android that could help you hack that, like Tasker, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So like I feel like something like that would probably be more likely to happen on Android than on iOS because if it's yeah. on iOS and Apple don't enable that, well, you're kind of stuck. But on Android, someone will find a way to do it. Yeah, so there you go. I have an app idea for Android. Yeah. I should be an app director. If unless you have any other questions, let me tell you what I think about the future of this device and these devices in general. Please go ahead, yeah. I feel like this device has a lot of potential, but the execution leaves a lot to be desired, which is 
typical Google, really, in these scenarios. They never get it right on the first try. Um, and it needs a lot better third-party support. But using it, I can see how having more rich functions is is really interesting and having it look a lot nicer, which it does. I, I actually quite like the UI. I think it looked personally, it, it appeals to me and, and I think it looks really cool. But they, you know, they need to, the devices need to be better and they need to be able to find a way to get more third parties on board, which they have not been able to do, even though they released the SDK a long time ago, even though it was in like a, a beta form. You know, they, they, what Google should have done is they should have gone to 50 of their top app developers and got them to, to implement something rather than 15 or 20 of them. Using this watch, and you, so using a different type of device in this category has solidified to me that this is a device that I like to have in my life now. This type of device that um, allows me to get notifications and to perform some basic actions from my wrist is, that is a companion to my phone is something that I personally like. I... I feel like I can say this, having come to it of being a user of these type of devices for a, a while. Um, I, I like them, and, and I, I genuinely do. And I think that people um, are able to to poo-poo these devices very quickly, having not used them, and so they're not familiar with them. And, and, and I sort of think back to a larger screened iPhone, going from 3.5 to 4 inches. And people were like, no, we don't want that. And then when they got it, they realized how good it was. And it's going to be the same, in my opinion, when we go from 4 to 4.7. People are saying, we don't want a larger screened iPhone. But when they try it out, they will. The same with a smaller screened iPad. People were very quick to say, we don't want that. But then when they try it out, they see that it's useful. And I really do think that before you can say, I don't want this device in my life, you should you should try it. I mean, and it's not always easy to do that. I appreciate that. But to say, not even necessary to say you don't want them, but to say they are bad and they are useless and rubbish and terrible, I think that it's better to have an open mind and actually try these things out first. I didn't know I was going to like a Pebble or any sort of watch device until I tried it out myself. Well, they don't give them away for free, you know? Exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. It's not easy to always do it, but... I think in those scenarios, then it's best to maybe not say that they're terrible for everyone or, or, or try and be like that. And, I, and I'm not saying that you guys are. I'm not pointing to anyone specifically, but I feel like that this idea and this feeling can come across quite a lot when talking about these sort of devices, especially when Google are behind it. I mean, that's a whole like another topic. And I think we see it like the most clearly when... Google is doing something that Apple doesn't or vice versa. When it, when it crosses to the other guy's team, and people, you know, will will dismiss it. And so I, I totally agree with you. I think it's awesome that, you know, we get to try this sort of stuff and that we're privileged enough where, you know, you could spend some money on this and um and try it. So so let me ask you the burning question, Mike. Is this a watch you're going to keep? I'm not at that point yet. That you don't you don't know. Or no, 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 as in I'm not at the point where I'm going to tell you that yet. Okay. In, in oh, a the, few the, minutes. There's more prompt coming? There's. I have more. I'm not done, sorry. <laughs> um, I think this device is going to... I think it will get better as it gets further developed. Um, and using this device, I can see how there's a benefit of having a deeper OS level integration. So this is so much more powerful than the Pebble. And everything that it does that's on top of the Pebble, I like more. And going back to my Pebble today, I have missed this 
some of the stuff that's in the Android Wear watch because I want to be able to, if I get an email message, read it all, archive it. I want to be able to do all of that, but I can't do it. Um, So it actually fills me with hope for a fully integrated Apple device. I hope that Apple do this. I know that not everybody wants it, but that's what I want personally. So this is my conclusion in summary of all of this. This device could not be further away from being a mass market device. It should have been labeled as a beta. Just should have been because that's what it is. You can't call it anything else. It has promise, but there are way too many foibles. It is far too difficult to understand some things and why some things happen. It doesn't, it doesn't, when you turn the device on, it doesn't actually go through to do anything to try and help you understand how to use the thing. It's, it, there is, it's nowhere near a consumer, just a standard consumer advi- uh, device at the moment. But the display of information in general is so much better than the Pebble. You get way more information presented in a much nicer way of useful actions. However, it is a bit bright and maybe draws a bit too much attention. Um, and I would much prefer to wear the this android wear watch every day than my pebble but the problem is i would have to use an android phone every day um and there are too many good apps now that i rely on that i don't have decent enough counterparts for tweetbot omnifocus fantastical dispatch editorial launch center pro these are apps i'm using every day on my iphone now and i've tried over the last few days to find comparable apps and in some cases there are some that work but in most cases I can't find a a system that is even close to working for me so I am planning on sending this device back to Google because I'm not going to use it fair enough what does your girlfriend think of it she hasn't seen it yet Mm. Uh, this is your little secret no she knows about it she Uh, just hasn't seen it in person yeah she thinks that the pebbles kind of strange. I think <laughs> it is. Yeah, because I was I was interested in, in the in the woman's perspective because I, I I do believe that the current smartwatches are mostly for men uh, because of the size of them. I think yeah, the the size and you know not just the size but the design in general. They don't show the kind of you know uh, women taste that, that I see in most commercial watches. Yeah, I wonder if anyone can do it and and give the sort of experience that you would want to have, like yeah. for it. You know, I, I would be I'd be surprised if if Apple was able to make a device that appeared to a, a mass market female audience. In in all honesty, yeah. Well, I think, or, well, you know, one uh, of the things yeah. is that like this looks like a computer, like it looks like a smartphone, you know, strapped to your wrist while the 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 Withings the um, activate. Their their smartwatch they're touting it's really like a fitness band inside like a more classic yeah. watch face, like that's really a, an attractive watch to me, but it doesn't do like you can't archive your Gmail from it. So there's sort of like still a couple classes of these devices, and you can go really nerdy and really powerful, but not very good looking, or you can go good looking. Like I think the Fitbit stuff like it's really simple looking, like it doesn't immediately draw attention that it is it is some sort of electronic device. There's there's a balance there, and there's middle ground that I don't think anyone's reached, and maybe Apple, hopefully Apple, can do that. I think I want to change what I said from uh, the female audience to just the fashion conscious. Probably, I think, yeah. I, I think that even Apple will struggle. If yeah, that's a big question it. because... Sorry, Stephen, go ahead. I was say, if anyone could do it, I think Apple's brought... the 
team together that can. Yeah. Yeah, because the big question is whether... I mean, nobody knows what kind of uh, wearable Apple is working on, whether it's a watch with a screen or whether it's a fitness device, whether it's a health device and it doesn't have a screen, right? So, because I believe I, I know I have female friends and they wear fitness trackers like the Nike Fuel Band or, or the Fitbit, you know? And because they're, they're, they kind of disappear, right? They mm-hmm. don't, they're not big screens on your wrist, like big computers, chunky computers on your wrist. So for those, uh, like, it seems to be easier for companies to, co- to come out with a design that, that fits uh, a wider uh, market, right? And for watches with a screen, that's more complicated because, um, I mean, it's difficult to fit all their hardware and, and sensors and stuff and batteries into a watch that doesn't look like your Robocop. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, from your description, I, I I keep thinking that I don't want notifications and voice commands on my wrist because I can do that stuff with my phone. Like it doesn't seem so unique to me, but I get it why you why you like it, why you why you like a device that lets you do the stuff that you talked about. It's just not for me, and maybe uh, maybe yeah. I should try it. But uh, but even when you talk about um, like saving to dos and notes and. And um, the notifications, like that's stuff that I can do with my phone and it doesn't bother me to do that with my phone. So I think a lot of this comes from how you use your devices and live your life, right? Yeah. So for me, where in my corporate environment that I'm in on a day-to-day basis, having this sort of stuff is useful to me because I can't have my phone with me all the time. I can't use it all of the times that I would want to use it, you know? So it, there's a, there is a, I completely agree that there is a, big difference about the way that you currently use your devices, the way that you will use your devices, and whether these things make sense to you. And from what you said, Federico, I agree that this probably wouldn't be any use to you at all, because you can just use your phone whenever you want. But for me, like commuting uh, and having just walking around, being on public transport and having my phone in my pocket a lot, being at work and not being able to use my phone whenever I want, being in meetings and I want to see what you guys are talking about so I can just read it on my watch. Like these are real world scenarios where this stuff works for me. Yeah. But you don't have these things. So, yeah. I mean, that they are the scenarios, those three things, they are the main scenarios why I love my Pebble. If I'm not in that scenario, I don't know if I'm going to get as much enjoyment out of it. I, I think now I'm just so used to it. I want this kind of device. Mm-hmm. Right, because there is a, an, it is ingrained in me now that when I get a notification, my phone's in my pocket. I look at my wrist. If the pebble's not on my wrist, I still look at it. That is that is part of just the way that I check for things now. It is a muscle memory that has stuck with me. Um, so I'm probably gonna. I, I think I would then struggle to get away from it. But yeah, so there you go. Cool. So I've taken up way too much time. And, and I apologize, but uh, I hope that it's been useful and interesting at least. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Good. So we do have some picks that we want to do this week. Weekly picks. Before my voice runs out, I will run through my pick first very quickly, if that's okay. Okay. So uh, my pick this week is an app that I kind of stumbled across um, a couple of a couple of weeks ago when just randomly looking through the app store. Um, and it's an app called... Um, Tayasui, Tayasui sketches, um, and it's 
basically, it's it's very much like paper, the uh, the drawing application, mm-hmm. but it's got a lot more controls and it seems a lot more powerful. So you start off in a similar way to paper. You open up a notebook and you can select from a bunch of different um, tools like a pencil, a fine liner, a paintbrush, that sort of thing. Um, and then you're able to use them. And then it has in-app purchases to unlock more functionality. They have a bunch of different in-app purchases um, in their pro tools that they call them. Um, so they have more tools, finer controls, so you can unlock like... Uh, thicker and thinner brushes you can unlock like an airbrush type effect you can add layers so you can have multiple layers in an image and they also have um stylus pressure Uh, so with certain stylus pens they have um pressure support so there's adonit the adonit jot the wacom bamboo creative and the hex 3 jaja um you can use the their features for whatever it is. I don't. I don't know how it works. Things like Bluetooth, or some of them have extra devices. Um, so you can unlock that as well. And they have one, uh, like I think a two, two ninety nine, three ninety nine in app purchase that unlocks all of them, which I did. Um, and I just think that where paper is really, really cool, um, and it's a nice app to use. Like I actually much prefer this application. It has way more different types of. Uh, method of input or like I can't really think of tools I guess yeah I guess tools like so you've got different paint brushes and you can use airbrushes and all that cool cool yeah. stuff and I, I just really like it like the fact uh, that it's on the iPhone is nice too like, yeah if iPhone you just need and to, iPad just to bang out a quick little like this is what I'm thinking you know papers iPad only as far as I know and they also have like a, a way that you can insert shapes so you can choose like add a triangle or you can add patterns and you can paint patterns onto a canvas and you have all the layer support and yeah and, and you can put text in it and it, it has a bunch of cool fonts like I really really like it a lot um, and I think that you should try it out because it's free with in-app purchases but the, even the just the free stuff you get more tools than you get with paper anyway so I think you should try it out it's uh Tayasui Sketches, which is T-A-Y-A-S-U-I Sketches. But of course, there'll be links in the show notes. Downloading it now. It's really cool. I like it a lot. Federico, what have you got? Um, Are you guys familiar with an app called MyFitnessPal? Yeah, I use it. Yeah. So um, recently I I got into the habit of like, uh, I I want to get in shape. I want to to get, you know... um, I want to be healthier and to eat better and so to to kind of take control of of my life from that point of view you know just to to really see what stuff I'm eating because it's easy especially like if you live in Italy there's the stereotype with the with the carbs and with the pasta and that's true really it, it can be a problem and so I want to pay attention to the stuff that I eat and I found my fitness pal to be like a really really good and powerful companion because um basically my fitness pal lets you track your calorie intake and to do this you can you can search a food database in the app which is surprisingly up to date with italian brands and and stuff that you find commonly in restaurants and 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 uh, supermarkets and the best feature for me is that it's got a barcode scanner yep so you can just uh, take any product and you can scan the barcode with the app. 
and it gives you the, the, the calorie information with fat and, and carbs and you know other values that, that matter if you want to if you want to pay attention to those kind of stats. And what's impressive is that I didn't believe it, it would work in Italy because usually this stuff is like for America or the UK. And instead it's and I mean I was really surprised because it really really works for not just big brands in Italy, like, I don't know, Nutella or, or Barilla, you know, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but really also minor brands. And, and, and yeah, I was really surprised because um, in my experience, I've only found a couple of products that the app couldn't recognize. So now that I'm tracking all the stuff that I eat, and when I go out to a restaurant, when I cannot ask, you know, for, for a barcode for every single uh uh, product that they use <laughs> yeah ingredient I, I, yeah i can i can just give an, an approximation in the app and that's what i did today because i i went out for lunch with my mom so i uh, you can search for like a like a dish and try try to you know find uh something that's close to to what you to what you had and also i connected the app to my job on app 24 so you can you can track the steps and the that you take uh, back into my fitness pal uh, i also connected the, the app to uh, fitstar which i'm using to exercise every day so you can you can so basically you end up with uh, with my fitness pal tracking your calorie intake and the connected apps and services tracking the calorie outtake for steps and uh, exercises and then you have the you have the break the breakdown of all the all the you know uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks, and so you can you can see how many calories you burn. You can see uh, how many calories you, you you the the intake for your food, and you can and there's a progress section uh, where where you can log your weight and see if you're getting better over time. And there's a, also a graph that shows you um, like uh, like a pie chart with uh, carbs and, and fat and um, I think it's uh, proteins. So you can, there's a, like a couple of suggestions for you every day. Um, and yeah, I really like it. And, and it's a free app. I guess it's supported by ads on the website and uh, they have a bunch of deals with other companies like affiliate links, I think, if you buy products from MyFitnessPal. And yeah, um, I mean, you gotta commit to these kind of apps because... It, they they be they become kind of pointless if you just forget you know to track what you eat and and it can be problematic if you if you eat at restaurants or just out every day, um, but otherwise uh, uh, it's been working really well for me. Can I just tell you a couple of things I like about my fitness pal? Sure. Yeah. Um. So every day you you log your activity for the day. Um. But what I mean is you once you've finished entering everything because you enter throughout the day or whatever you want, you press a button that completes your entry and then mm-hmm. it tells you if you can if you yeah. continue along this path how much weight you'll lose in five, eight weeks or something. Yeah. Which is yeah. really cool. So it gives you like a see how well you've done today, you'll lose eight pounds if you keep up like this, which is great. Yeah. Um and also it um if you don't have any fitness tracking applications, it uses the M seven to track your steps and it pulls yeah. those in as well and it gives you the extra calories that you can either eat or save. Um, I really like it and it's cross-platform I mean so they have iPhone and iPad but they have Android they have an Android app as well they have a web app and it all syncs via a service that they've created Um, I think a lot of the food stuff Federico is uh, community and crowd 
entry as well, which yeah, is one of the reasons why the database is so Im- incredible. Yeah, and it's really accurate because yeah, I um, I always want to check if the if the grams and the calories and and the fat percentage are uh, like what's on the box of what I'm eating, and usually it's like perfect to the single yep. calorie. Yeah, very very cool, very cool. Yes, Mr. Hackett. My pick is a. Uh, Mac app that's been around for a while. In fact, if you don't judge it by its website, um, it is still under development. Uh, it's still updated, even though it looks a little old in places. Is uh, Super Duper. So, uh, if you read the sweet setup, Super Duper was part of our big uh, backup series we did a couple of months ago. And and what this app does, it's it's a Backup utility that can make a bootable backup of your of your Mac. So Time Machine is is great. Everyone should use Time Machine. I think in the future we're going to do a backup show. But uh, Time Machine is not bootable. So if your iMac dies, you have to have a new drive put in, install OS 10, and then you can migrate back from Time Machine. Well, with Super Duper, you could take your external drive, take it to your buddy's iMac, plug it in and boot from it and have all your stuff there. So it's, it's a really great tool. It has a lot of really great scheduling options. So I use SuperDuper for my backups that I, I store uh, offsite. So I have a, a couple drives that don't let you know, don't stay in my house. I just update them a couple times a month and uh, I have them set in SuperDuper. So anytime those drives get mounted to automatically start the backup, because those drives are only ever attached when I'm actually updating them. So it makes it really easy it doesn't nag me to death if I miss a backup. It just knows, hey, when this drive shows up, do your thing. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely cool. It's it's um, not as you might imagine, not in the Mac App Store. You got to buy it directly from uh, Shirt Pocket, which is the developer. Um, and it's uh, it's about thirty bucks, which you know, if you're doing offsite backups, you've already invested clearly in some hard drives and everything. And uh, this is definitely the tool to use if you need. Um, uh, a lot of power over your backup system. Is it still brush metal? Uh, no, they've toned it back a little bit. It's uh, it's just the the kind of standard gray uh, UI. That this website really. I know you mentioned it, but it that's really why I mentioned it. Yeah, needs it work. Yeah, it, it looks does. like it was made in like um, was it Apple Works or something? What was the uh, before there was iWeb? What was there? To do web stuff, yeah. Dream like on the Apple side, I, yeah. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure. Never mind. Well, yeah, it looks bad. Anywho, but if you say it's good, then I'm going to trust you. It's good. So that's about it for this week's episode of the prompt. If you'd like to catch up with all of the links that we've spoken about today, go to five by five TV slash prompt slash fifty six. We'll be back next week of another episode of the world's greatest podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter. We are uh, underscore the prompt is the account for the show. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And Stephen is I-S-M-H. Stephen also writes at 512pixels.net. And Federico is at maxstories.net. Until next time, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.